you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Thank you all for tuning in to this week's special edition of the NFL Players Podcast. I'm Peanut Tomini host, and today we got this guy right here, Mr. Thomas Davis. Uh, he's just a former NFL All-Pro, nobody important, man of the year, you know. What's going on, what's my up? guy? What's up, Peanut Punch? What's going on, my guy? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. How you doing? I'm all right, man. I'm all right. Um, uh, thank you for coming to the show. We appreciate you. Thank you for having me, man. You know, the fans, it. they love it. They love it. So what you doing right now? Man, I'm just enjoying this retired life. I'm working with the Legends community, trying to um, have an impact on that field and that, in that space, and just trying to do the best job I can in that area. All right. So you have a very unique story, and I don't think a lot of people know, like, the upbringing. You're from Georgia. Y'all know y'all just won the NFL, or not, excuse me, the, the, the college uh, championship, which I dispute. But anyway, you have a great story. You're still hating I'm us, still bro. hating. I'm still hating. That's terrible. I know. But you got you got a great story, though. That was one of the things I, I um, when we were doing our NFL Man of the Year things in, what, I think 2011, 2012? 12, yep. Yeah. And I really got to hear your story and, like, upbringing, how you grew up. Can mm -hmm. you can you just, let's, I want to start right there. I want you to just tell me about how how that shaped you and who you are today. You know, so I've talked about it a lot, man, but just growing up in Shelman, Georgia, um, small, small town, everybody knows everybody. I think you hear this story from a lot of players that have gone on and make it to the NFL, but... Just growing up in a small town, man, and you see as a young kid, you understand that there are not a whole lot of opportunities. There right. are not a whole <clears throat> lot of things that are going to be presented to you to be able to be successful after you graduate from high school. So mm -hmm. if you want to do something with your life and you want to be successful and you want to get out of that area, you have to try to get a scholarship because you, obviously my mom couldn't pay for me to go to school. Mm -hmm. um, so I knew that I had to do everything in my power to earn a scholarship. So I played basketball, I played football, and I ran track year-round. Never left school after school was over. Um, just trying to do something to earn a scholarship so that I can get out of the situation that I grew up in. And it wasn't really until a coach came and watched me practice basketball my senior year was when I got my football scholarship offer. So all up until that point... No one had been looking at you. Only, only smaller schools. Like I had an offer from Grambling University. So okay. on signing day, on signing day, those were my two offers: University of Georgia and Grambling University. You got Georgia to look at you, and that was the only. They were the only one. They were the only one, and the only reason that happened was because Georgia had just hired a new staff and. Brian Van Gorder, who was the defensive coordinator, yeah, he was going to another town to see another kid. And they held one of the coaches over, and they told him, like, hey, go check out this kid from Randolph Clay. Talk to the coach about him. Uh -huh. He didn't know that we were going to be at basketball practice that day. So he came in, he sat down with my coach, and he watched me practice basketball. And, like, we see this guy coming to the gym. We don't know who he is. Uh -huh. But we just – my high school basketball team was one of the best in the state. 
So we just went hard all the time. And super competitive every single day. And that's one of the things that I tell kids all the time, you never know who's watching you, right? right? So right. you always want to have good integrity. You always want to do things the right way. For me, it showed up that day because what if I had skipped practice? What if I was being disrespectful to my coach? What if I wasn't doing the things that I'm normally accustomed to doing? Mm -hmm. So I went in. After that practice was over, we go up. My high school um, football coach called me over. We go up. I, he introduced me to the guy that was with him. Yeah. He said, this is Brian Van Gorder. He's a defensive coordinator for Georgia. He looks at me. He said, I don't know where we will play you at, but from what I just saw, the athleticism, the speed, the change of direction, I'm going to offer you a scholarship right now to come play for me at Georgia. So you got a scholarship at the University of Georgia playing basketball. Playing basketball. I played eight different positions in high school at, at football, so I feel like, I mean, you try to show your versatility. Wait, time out, time out, time out. Eight positions. I play eight positions. and give me, give me those positions. So I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about over the course of my high school career. I'm talking about in every game, you could find me at quarterback, at running back, at wide receiver, at tight end, or I would play cornerback, or I'd play safety. Like, and the crazy part about it, I never played linebacker. Did you drive the bus? <laughs> I was the punt returner, I was the kickoff returner, I was the punter, and I was the kicker. So you was the whole team? I literally did everything in high school. So you, and, and for me... Y'all ain't had no athletes. And we had some guys, but for me... They didn't play football. My mindset was to show that I was capable of doing so many things. Yeah. And in terms, I think that actually ended up hurting me as a player because nobody really knew what to play me at or right. what to do with me. So by the graces of God, I was able to take that scholarship from the University of Georgia and, and just run with it, man. I went in as one of the last guys given a scholarship. And as the story goes, man, I was the first guy to be drafted out of like 30 guys. So similar story in a sense, my school, new coach, my coach called a friend, hey, I got this kid, blah, you know, they, they, they look at the film, but then just so happened, I had a basketball game. We go to the game, I play, you know, dunk, do this, run around, change the direction. And he was like, yeah, Here's your trip. I mean, I didn't get the scholarship. I, I, I guess I was good. I don't know if I was that good, but they were like, "Yeah, I want him to come. He needs to come to uh, come to our school. We we want. I want him. I want him." So, I ended up going to the school, and obviously, I committed to Louisiana. But yeah, similar, <clears throat> a similar, similar setup. Now you never told me that, man. Yeah, they never, 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 never saw me play an actual game. Our hoop game they got saw us in me. college football. My hoop man. game got me in college, but. But that just goes to show, though, like, I try to tell parents and kids now, yep. play everything. Don't just, don't, don't just stick with, don't just stick with football. I was literally, so I, I have an AAU team in basketball, and I was literally having this conversation with a parent the other day, like, hell-bent on having her kid play only basketball. Right. But the kid is begging her to let him play football. Mm -hmm. And I explained to her, plain and simple, I, I'm like, listen, he has a frame that he can, he can do a lot of things in football. He can play tight end, he can be a defensive end, he can play linebacker, he can do whatever he wants to do. I said, when you look at a basketball draft, you got two rounds. That's it. Two rounds of kids that are gonna be drafted each year. I said, when you look at a football draft, you got seven rounds. That increases your opportunity. Not saying that he's gonna be drafted in either of those, but odds are, 
if, if you're not extremely tall and extremely skilled as a guard, then your chances for getting drafted in the NBA are a lot slimmer than it would be in Jesus the NFL. So, I mean, just having that conversation and kind of breaking that down to her, though, um, she came to the agreement with her son that she's going to let him play football this year. I don't, I don't think as a parent that we should make decisions to make our kids one-dimensional based on how we feel. Yeah. If these kids are begging and they want to do these things, allow them to go out and do it. Right. So 20, 2013, I won the Man of the Year Award, and then that very next year, 2014, you win the Man of the Year Award. That night, everything you've gone through, it, it, your foundation, it, it, it kind of was like, like tell me, tell me how you felt in that moment when Goodell called your name and you walked up there and you accepted the award. And your speech was amazing. Man, I was, I was so shocked because one of the things they had done, like in previous years, they would let the person know beforehand. You were the first year. Yeah. They, you were the first year they didn't tell anybody. They didn't tell anybody. Yeah. So I had no clue. We didn't they, have a clue who was going to be the winner. Pure emotion. Yeah. So, and then I'm, and just, just to kind of, bounce back to the year you wanted. I'm sitting in there listening to your speech and I'm emotional, like, watching you. I'm like, man. I'm just crying. I couldn't imagine. I'm sitting here thinking, like, I couldn't imagine being the winner right now up here giving this speech. Like, because I'm sitting here, like, emotional crying right now. Then the next year, I actually win the award and, like, and I'm like, I'm not going to cry. And this is what I actually did on my wedding day, too. I told my boys had a bet that, you know, you're going to get emotional, you're going to cry. So I literally cut my vows like straight to the point, no tears, <laughs> and I got heckled for that for years and years. As you should but, have. <laughs> you know, just sitting on that stage, man, and then everything just coming to fruition on, like, you don't go out and do this work to try to gain the recognition. Like, right. none of us do that. But to see people taking note to the things that you're doing, the difference that you're trying to make in the community, the, the spaces that we're trying to make better, mm -hmm. um, for players, man, that, that's huge because we know the impact and the difference that it's going to make for our foundation, for the kids that we work with, for the communities that we serve. Right. Um, and it did that for my foundation. Like, a lot of people made donations. A lot of people volunteered more. So it was great. To, so I, I know I know what you do, but ex explain to the people listening and watching, like, what's your foundation? Explain what they actually do. So we... we or what you actually so do. So we work with underprivileged youth and... I'm passionate about that. Like I just told you guys from the way I grew up yeah. as a young kid, I grew up in a single parent household. My mom raised me and my sister and like literally we went through so many different struggles. For my foundation, I wanted to try to even the playing field. I know yeah. that there are a ton of parents out there that, is, that are dealing with the same things that we went through, um, in particular single moms. So I know that there are kids that are going to school that don't have school supplies, that. Um, that are waking up on Christmas that don't have Christmas gifts, that are having Thanksgiving that don't have meals, or even beyond Thanksgiving, just everyday life, you know, they may end up having to miss a meal because their mom can't provide for them. So that's what we try to do with my foundation. We try to provide those things for those kids. We mm -hmm. try to make sure that um, when they go to school, everything that the other kids that are living in two-parent households have, we try to make sure that we can provide for those kids. Right. And in doing that, you know, we started in Charlotte, North Carolina. We moved to Georgia, where I was from. And then now we do it in South Carolina, where Kelly is from as well. For us to be able to grow like that and 
um, just have the impact in all of those different spaces, man. I just think that really speaks to the to the body of work that we've been able to do with this foundation and how we've been able to grow. And now we have a separate branch with my leadership academy where we work with middle school kids and we're directly impacting their lives at the stage that they're in to try to teach them how to be productive leaders. Right. So it's been it's been great to watch this thing grow since 2008 when we started. And since since 2008 with with your leadership academy. I'm sure those middle schoolers, they're, they're, they're adults now. Yes. Is there a story? Can you tell me a story about one of the kids that truly got the message as a, one of the kids that got the story that went through your leadership academy? So I think one of the stories that I really look back on, one of the parents came to us and her kid was, was struggling real bad with um, just going down the wrong path, mm-hmm. um, getting involved with gangs, doing all these other different things, running with people that absolutely had no good intentions for him in his life. They mm-hmm. were leading him down a path of destruction. And he came and he became a part of the Leadership Academy. And like literally, man, he 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 literally dove in into everything that we were teaching him. And his mom still kind of accredited us to this day to him changing his life around. And to me, if we don't have an opportunity to affect or, or make a difference in any other life, to know that we were able to help him out, mm-hmm. to know that you know he was able to go into the military, he was able to do a lot of other things that his mom told us flat out he would never have been able to accomplish had he not been a part of the Leadership Academy. We've helped out first-generation kids that have gone to college mm-hmm. um, by providing them with scholarship opportunities and to see those kids go on and graduate and now they come back and they help us with the Leadership Academy, man, that's what it's all about for us. Yeah, that's um, something similar. We we do this. We do certain certain thing. Our foundation. Uh, we try to provide uh, resources to these families while they're while they're in the hospital. And one of the one of the hardest things I think, one of the hardest things for a man to do is ask for help. Yes. I think women they can do it, but for for a man, for us, it's hard because you are the protector. Your security. Your comfort, you're 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 the guy who's supposed to take care of everything. We have this uh, one of our programs, Tiana Fund, and you really just write whatever your worst need or the most the basic need, whatever you need, will will come and we, we we try to secure it for you. And a lot of the time, when you go from two incomes to one, most of the time, you know, whoever the breadwinner is, they keep their job, and the 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 lower person partner, a spouse, they quit to stay at home with a sick child. Right. Well, mortgages, you know, and you if you're rely, really relying on those two incomes, you lose one and then the, the mortgage, the rent, uh, the gas, the Everything heat, gets behind. electricity, yeah, stuff starts to get behind. And I just remember, um, I remember a dad, I'd, and we get these, we get them all the time, but I never get to meet these people. I just, I just, I'm, I'm literally just reading these applications. And he pulled me aside. I don't know. We, we were somewhere. I maybe just walking by, and he was just like, "Oh man!" And he came and was like, "Hey man, you don't, you don't know me, but I used your um, Tiana fund when my, when my, my, my daughter, my child, they're in the hospital, man. And I just want to let you know, like." And he said, "Hey, as a man, it was hard for me to ask for help because I felt." I felt ashamed. I felt I was embarrassed, like that I couldn't provide basic needs for my for my kids. Yeah. But 
your 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 foundation came through in a major way and man i'm just here to let you know like as a man i really appreciate you on that and i was just like like i was i was i was blown away that's like, what it's about really man. just blown away that like man i didn't even know i blessed this dude and you were talking about like blessings like you you had an opportunity and you you seize that opportunity but yet you're giving back and you're blessing these kids and they go on and they bless others and it just continues to grow and grow and grow. Absolutely. And that's that's kind of like the, the the beauty of the blessing. Like it's just it just kind of keeps on tenfold, man. Yeah, and it just keeps going and going and going and like that like that energizer bunny. Like it just doesn't stop. Like that's the that's the coolest thing. That's I don't know. I I, I really do love your story and I like how I like how you tell it. I like what you represent. I don't really like the red and the black because you got Georgia colors on. Peanut, you got red and black on, sir. This isn't, no, this this that's is red. like, no, that's it's more red. like a. And if that's not red, this is certainly red. This is certainly red, but you can't see this. This is an undershirt. But you got on red and black. This is what I Two sweat times. in. This is what Two I sweat times. in. This is what I sweat in. I know deep down you're this a real Georgia like fan. This is like off red. You wore that for me, huh? This is like off red. You wore that for me, huh? I wore the J's for you. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Speaking of Jay's... You were a jump man, right? Yes, sir. Tell me a story. Probably. Tell me a story about Mike. Tell me how cool Mike is. Man, he he's one of the coolest guys you ever meet, honestly. Um, one of the most competitive guys still to this day. I think I might and, be able to beat him in basketball. No, nah, I don't think so. I got but, a scholarship based on basketball. I think yeah, I but I don't beat think him. you're gonna beat him though. He's still the goat. Tell he I I, I totally agree. He the goat. But tell him I said I, I think I might be able to score a point or two on him. Um, I can we can show him this. You guess we can. Put this clip together, I'll send it yeah, to him. Yeah, I said I could score on him. I don't I, think so. I think I could score. I can still dunk, too, by the way. So can he. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know if you know this, but my, I retired. You still were playing. I was in Carolina. Y'all played. I do know this story. Oh, when I met him? Yep. Oh, okay. So, I'm going to tell y'all anyway. <laughs> I'm in the locker room. I'm with them, Rivera, whatever. I go back upstairs to the uh, to a to suite, suite I was in. Yep. And one of the guys in the elevator was like, hey, uh, Pina, take this elevator. I was like, oh, okay. I get in the elevator. It's MJ and, like, another person. So we're in this elevator, and I'm freaking out, like, dang, this is, this is MJ. So I'm sitting there thinking, like, okay, should I say something? Now, I don't want to be that corny dude and say something. No, I'm going to say this MJ. How can I make it not so corny? Well, I, I happened to look down at my shoes and I was like, yes, I wore a pair of red 11s. So I, I look over to him kind of and I, I say, hey, you like the shoes? And he kind of chuckled and he was like, yeah, yeah, I like the shoes. So I go in and I try to introduce myself and he's like, I know you're a peanut. And I was like, well, you know, so at that moment, I was like, damn. I made it. Like, MJ knew my name, and I'm rocking your shoes, and I, look, I got the MJ t-shirt on. You that might have been the corniest thing you could have said It might have been the corniest thing, but it's, he smiled. 
He got because he was he got thinking a, like he that shit was I mean, I mean, that was so corny. It was, was terrible, saying. but he chuckled. He he giggled right, and he I I, I got a I got a little chuckle out of it. But your he reaction. but he knew my name, and I was just like, well, dang. Peanut, everybody knows it. your name, man. No. Yes. See, why do y'all do that though? I, I don't, don't think, think you really understand. I don't. I, I, as God is my witness, I don't. I think I'm just. I'm just the most just humble, normal man. dude. You're humble. It's, so when that's people a good be like, oh, I, I, yeah, I just, I don't think that. I'm really, yeah. Like when we went. And they know Peanut. It ain't Charles Tillman. Like, you're, you're Peanut. I, I am Peanut. And I appreciate it, though. I appreciate it. So you got some linebackers, right? Yes. You got the linebackers. Y'all got some drills. What are the, what's some of the advice you're going to give some of these guys just throughout this combat Man, just process? finish all the drills. I mean, that's one of the things that I've been talking to them about so far. Teams are going to be coming through looking for guys that are going to compete. They're going to try to find guys with great leadership qualities. Mm -hmm. So show that in any way that you possibly can while you're at this combine. You want to be able to get out there and show that, hey, I can lead a team. Because linebackers are required to be the quarterbacks of the defense. So when you go out there, make sure that you know what you're doing first and foremost. If they're explaining the drill, get in a place where you can see, where you understand what's going on. You can get out. You can execute that drill to a T. But also, when you go out, you're going through these drills, don't, don't try to go out and be cool. Go out and act like your, your life is on the line, like your, your, your job is on the line when you go out here and you're doing these drills. And that's one of the things that you see with kids these days. They try to come through here and try to like, be kind of like a finesse kind of guy, you know, and yeah. just ease up towards the end of the drill, man. Finish through these drills hard, man. And that's one of the things that I want to impress upon them to make sure that everything that you do here, you're giving max effort. Do you think that you were the max effort kind of guy? Always. Always? Always. Um, Spice, Dub. Yes. He told me a story how he got a scholarship just by running to the ball. He went to, he went to a football camp. It makes just, a just by Just by chance, some senior... A senior asked him to go with him to this football camp, and I think he might have been a junior. And he was like, uh, okay. So they go to this camp, and from drill to drill to drill to drill, Dub sprinted to every single drill, top speed. After he got there the last day, one of the coaches was like, yo, who is this kid? Hey, man, what's your name? They talked to him. He's like, you want to meet uh, Joe? You want me, Joe Paterno? And he was like, "Uh, yeah, okay, sure." Like he didn't, he didn't know, he didn't have a clue what he was doing. He was just being himself. Yeah, exactly. And fast forward a year later, they, I think, no, no, no. He said they offered him a scholarship right then and there. That was like, you, do you want to go to Penn State? Do you want to play football? And he was like, uh, "I got, I got to talk to my mama first. <laughs> I, let me, let me ask my mama." He literally got a football scholarship just from sprinting. He went to some football camp. And, and just that just sprinted. really speaks to how big of a difference that that can make, right? Yeah. So imagine when you're trying to get a job in the NFL, what teams are thinking when you have a guy that's out here that's giving maximum effort. They know that if you're doing this in this setting, once we draft you, this is kind of who you are. I mean, yeah. that's what and that's what you want to display, and that's what you want to show teams while you're here. What was your What was your best drill while you were at the combine? Mm. What was your best drill, and then were you prepared? Did, like, did someone actually prepare you for the combine? I mean, you went to Georgia. Y'all got all types of top prospects that are, yeah, prospects, so, players that come out of there. Were you prepared when you came here? I, I was very prepared. Um, I will tell this story, and I've been telling this story at nausea to anybody that would listen. When I came here, 
with that 40 time, I ended up running like a four, four six forty at the combine. I'm faster than you, by no, the way. No, you're not. But Let me going. tell the story. You got to stop talking and listen. Okay. Because I was never supposed to run the 40 here. I go around to these different rooms, and the coaches are like, hey, you're supposed to be the number one safety. Why aren't you running? Because it's, we had a plan. Me and my trainer and my agent, we came up with a plan. We were just going to wait to run at Pro Day. By the fourth interview room, I go in, and they're telling me, like, listen, why aren't you running? And then Brian Van Gorder, who was my defensive coordinator, mm-hmm, he, mm-hmm. Had, um, he was on the staff with the Jaguars at the time, and he was like, hey, Pook, why, why aren't you running? Like, you know that's, like, your strong suit. Like, I'm fast. I'm like, well, we had a plan. I'm like, man, forget it. Because they, now they, I feel like they're questioning whether or not I'm competitive or not. Mm-hmm. And you know, like, I feel like I'm one of the most competitive guys ever. So I'm like, forget it, man. I'm just going to go ahead and run. Never practice the double line start. You know how you have to have both hands. And So I go out. I run a 4-6. And I literally, the combine, thinking, like, I just cost myself a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. So my agent was like, look, that is the reason why you have your pro day because you have an opportunity to go back and make up and show right. what you're able to do. Right. Just say, he was like, say for instance, if you go out and you don't run at the combine and now you go to your pro day and then you run that time. And now you just stuck with people thinking that you're a 4'6 guy. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. And that's what I'm trying to tell all these guys. Take advantage of doing all the drills here. See where you are right now, kind of gauge it. And now you go back, you know what you need to work on to yeah. be better at. If it's not a number that you feel like you're capable of producing, you can do it again. You can do it again. So for me, I went um, to our pro day, and it just so happened to be on my birthday. March 22nd is my birthday. Pro day was on my birthday. And I ran a 4.43 both times. Both 40s was a 4.43. So I'm like, all right, I'm good. But I just say that to say no, was this. Was that the double, that's the double start? Yeah, because right. I practiced it. We yeah. went back and, you know, we, we wanted to focus in on all of the other things first um, because I was coming in with, like, a wrist injury, so I couldn't really do the bench at the combine. But, I mean, and then, like, teams were looking, like, his shuttle time and all of that stuff was, like, really, really good. It didn't match up with the 40. So they was trying to figure it out. And, like, my vertical was good. All of my other things were good right. at the combine except for my 40. 40. So I go back, run my 40, and I think it just proved and solidified um, that I was explosive, I was fast, and I ended up being a first-round pick. Mm. What, what, uh, what number? 14. 14. Ooh. Yeah. I feel like sitting there waiting to the, to the 14th pick, it literally seemed like it took 10 hours. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed like it took forever. Imagine going 30, well, 30, going 35th. Uh, mine went, me. I was, cl- I, to me, it was quick. Trust because me. Because I wasn't, I was expected to go like third or fourth round. So I was just like, I just happened to be watching. So I, to go 35 was like, oh, snap. I was almost the first runner. I wasn't really supposed to go exactly. into like the third round. That's, that's why you, you know? can't, that's why you can't sit back and just listen to all these publications. Yeah. I had people calling me on draft day. Charles Grant played with the Saints. He was like, man, they just talked to me. They told me that we're going to draft you. They drafted literally right before the Panthers. They were 13th. So I'm sitting, I have this big draft party at home with all my people. So the Saints get on the clock. They're getting ready to draft. My phone hasn't rang yet. But I'm like, okay, Charles just told me that they told him they're going to draft me. And with the 13th pick, the Saints select tackle Jamal Brown 
from Oklahoma. So I'm like, oh my God. So I'm over here, I'm starting sweating now because I don't know where I'm going. Right. And then right after that, literally, it seemed like it took 30 minutes because back then the draft process was so long. And slow. Yeah, but I mean, I'm glad they sped that up for these kids now. But right after that, Coach Fox called me. He was like, man, we have a ton of teams that are trying to trade to try to get you, but we ain't doing it. We're going to draft you. That's what's up, yeah. I had a good good draft day, good story. I was similar. Didn't have a big part at all. Just at the crib, you know, phone rings. My stepmom gives me the phone. She's all, like, nervous. The house got real quiet. And I'm just listening, like, yes, yes, yes. And then uh, Jerry Angelo was like, congratulations. We're taking you with our next pick. You're a Chicago Bear. And I just remember, like, dang. And I didn't say nothing, and then it flashed on the TV. Everybody went crazy. And then everybody went crazy, and I was like, dang. All that work paid off. Yeah. All the opportunities, the listening, graduating school, hard work from running, pushing sleds, gassers, listening to all the people, the advice I took in. Like, it, it, it really... Uh... And, it's, and it's crazy how you go through that in your head, and then once reality set in, and now it's like... Now the real work begins. Now the real work begins. Yeah. All that got you to, to where get you are. your foot in the door. Exactly. Now you really got to bust your butt to, to really keep your job. And I think that we've had guys that have had those moments that yeah. have gone in the first round and really felt like, hey, I've made it. And just kind of forgot the things that they did to get them to yeah. that point. And you can see it. They enjoyed the process too much. Yeah. Well, look, man, I appreciate you uh, stopping by. You always, always a pleasure, my, my brother. My favorite, my favorite peoples. Um, I don't like your shirt, but you is my guy, and I love you for Peter, it. Peter, what don't you like about my shirt, man? For Could one, you explain it to sits the people? down too far. Like, look, look at that right there. It sits so, down so, too so far. So you're, you're a fashion guru now? I am a fashion guru. I don't want to talk right now. Hey, I'm Peanut Tillman. This is Thomas Davis. I'm a, I need a hat because my hair, I need a haircut. But I'm Peanut Tillman. This is Thomas Davis. He's always messing with me. Uh, 2013 man of the year, 2014 man of the year. Two great guys, but I think he's better than me because he does way more and cooler things than I do. Thank y'all for tuning in. I appreciate y'all. Good night. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on the NFL Players Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and follow at NFL Players Podcast on Instagram for the latest player stories and to connect with the NFL Players community. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.